Hello, hello. Welcome to Random Acts of Living. I'm your host, Emilia Nordhuk. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited about the story that I have to tell you. So let's go ahead and just dig right into the meat of it. Well, hello there, gentle listener. Welcome to Random Acts of Living. They've been very random <laughs> the past few weeks. Um, as you may be aware, I have been on a little uh, journey, um, a little hero's journey um, to find my way back to the next phase of my life. So, um, so let's just jump right in and tell um, tell what happened because it's been a wild ride. I will tell you that right now. Um, so I had, um, my friend came over from Amsterdam. So I drove to Minneapolis to pick her up. That was great. Um, we spent a night here with my folks, um, socially distant and, you know, everybody taking precautions because she had just flown over from, uh, Europe. Um, and, and so then the next day we pack all our stuff into the art B. It's full of food. It's full of all the most wonderful art supplies. And um, my friend finds all these great wood carving tools and that she wants to use for my dad. So, you know, we're just like all giddy and excited. Woohoo! We're taking the art B to arches. And uh, nothing. What could go wrong? <laughs> what? indeed could go wrong. Um, so, so we take off and we go to the spam museum because we're from Hawaii and it's like going to Mecca. Um, so we go to the spam museum, we buy a couple of cans of spam for the road, a spam musubi maker. And, uh, and we have lunch and we hop back in, um, the RV and we take off and about two hours, uh, down the road. It's really, we're only like 120 miles <laughs> from my parents' house. Um, we get gas and we're talking about the, uh, the mileage of the RV. It seems to be really terrible. Like worse than it usually is. Um, so it's like five miles to the gallon and we're like, it's going to cost like over a thousand dollars for gas for this trip. So we're like doing this calculation and, um, thank goodness my friend's a math genius. And, and then I'm just like, I hear the sound, the ominous sound from the engine <laughs> and, all of a sudden we lose power and there's like all the fluids are seeping, not seeping, just exploding. There's steam, everything. It's, it's just, it's a mess. So the engine basically blows up <laughs> two hours from my parents' house. So we pull over to the side of the road. Now I'm not this happy. I'm not, I've not come to accept this at this point. I'm upset and angry and mad at myself because, you know, when things like this happen, I believe that as human beings, we go right to what we did wrong, what we didn't do right. And, and we, 
absolutely overlook the fact that sometimes like shit just happens and it's nobody's fault. Um, but we tried to find meaning immediately, <laughs> which I did. And I was horrible and, and angry. And, um, and thankfully my people still love me, even though I have those horrible moments. Oh, thank God. So, um, and anyway, so we problem solved the whole thing. We get, we call, it takes us hours to get, um, somebody to come and tow us. And, and, you know, at this point we still think, well, it's just the water pump. <laughs> it's just the water pump. Um, we'll, we'll get this fixed and we'll get back on the road and it's going to be okay. And so we get towed by the really, really most disgruntled, uh, like tow driver I've ever seen in my life. Um, he like showed up and he was grumpy and angry. And I, I just don't understand because anyway, it was ridiculous. It's like, no, wait, we should be grumpy and angry. <laughs> We're the ones stuck beside the side of the road. And, um, you know, even the state trooper who like came to make sure that we were okay was like, um, you know, it's going to be okay. They'll tow you to, um, Fairmont, Minnesota. That's where we were. And, um, and we had already called this uh, mechanic shop. And so we thought, Oh, we're like going to get this all set up anyway. So we get towed there. There's, um, there's a dingy little hotel <laughs> down the, two blocks away. We grab what stuff we need and we go down there and, uh, Oh, it's really bad. I'm going to post some photos of it. It's just, it's terrible. And, you know, and it turns out like it's kind of the, um, you know, the, the worst of rural America. And in, in that you get to, um, the veneer between, you know, the prosperous and poverty is, is really pulled tight and pulled thin. And so you see that, and especially, you know, in, in March, um, when it's still winter and dark and gray. So it was kind of one of those, um, moments where I'm just like, oh yeah, this is, this is middle America. This is what a lot of people are having to deal with in the middle of COVID. And it's really, really hard. So, um, uh, you know, so we, we, we eat dinner, we spend the night, trying to keep our, uh, our spirits up and, uh, have a really hard time sleeping. But the next morning I get a call from my brother, one of my brothers and, uh, who drops this little bomb on me that our father had gone to the emergency room the night we left <laughs> last night. So the night before, right? So, and, um, and had been diagnosed with COVID and has pneumonia. And, you know, my dad like knew like every, like everything was really intense. So he didn't want to tell me. And my brother's like, so dad wanted me to tell you, but I told him that he needs to tell you. And <laughs> I was like, no, he needs to tell me. So, um, I said, I'm not going to say anything to him, but you t ask him and, you know, be very firm about it, that he needs to call me up and tell me that it's going to be okay. And, um, and I'll, you know, but I'll be worried about him. So anyway, so then like three minutes later, 
I get a phone call from my dad telling me that he's tested positive for COVID. And, um, and now that I get to like pour all of my concern out and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and, um, and by this point I'm, I'm back at the mechanics and the mechanic has told me as well that, yeah, that you need a new engine. Like there's just nothing that's going like, to fix this at this point. And, um, so I'm sitting alone in the cab of the RV talking to my dad and making sure he's okay. And, you know, he's about to go in and get the infusion treatment. And, uh, and I just start crying, (laughs) um, because it's just really overwhelming and, and horrible and sad. And, um, and I'm, I just don't know how I'm going to get like all this stuff together. I have no idea. But the good news is I don't have to problem solve it all by myself. So I have a really great support system in my friend who back in the hotel room is, you know, now that she knows my dad has COVID, she's like problem solving for herself because she's come into contact with him and, and for me and, you know, setting up a, um, a test because I'd been living with my parents for the past few days before she showed up. So, um, so we thought it was important that I get a test. And so I did, and, um, it turned out to be negative, which was great, but we still socially distant, um, for at least five days before, um, before we could really kind of let our guard down that, you know, we weren't showing symptoms or had a false negative, I mean, the stuff is just so intense now, the way that we, you know, think about it, but maybe we should have been thinking about our health in this way all along. So, so anyway, and then also my dad is helping me problem solve, um, getting the RV told back to Cresco. (laughs) And so he has contacted a, a, a guy that he works with who buys and sells cars and has a little mechanic shop here. He has a big truck and a trailer and yeah, he'll come and pick us up and tow the RV back to Cresco. And so he does. <laughs> and, and he is an amazing and really great guy. He is a very conservative um, person and I told him my dad has COVID, but we'll wear masks in the car. And he, I think he was joking, said, yeah, you're not allowed to wear masks in my car. I was like, ha, 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 ha. No, we're wearing masks in your car because I would feel horrible if I had it and I gave it to you. I would. So, um, so anyway, we did wear masks in this car, (laughs) in his truck. And, um, and you know, I paid him, we agreed on a price for him to come up and, and tell me back, but it was really amazing. And, and it gives me a lot of hope that there are people in this world who can, you know, actually like on, on all sides of, of what we believe can like kind of get over it. So, so yeah, uh, so, so he came and we had a two and a half hour drive back to Cresco and, um, you know, trying to not talk about politics, which was really, uh, kind of hard. Luckily he was taking calls all the time, um, on his, uh, non handheld device. Um, so we get back, we unload the RV 
um, he takes off and then we're kind of like, what do we do? And at that moment, my parents get home from the hospital and, you know, I realize like, I can't, I can't talk to, like, I can't hug them. I can't be, you know, close to them. I can't be unmasked because he has COVID. My mom's been exposed and we don't know if she's, you know, she has maybe some symptoms. We don't know yet. So, um, so basically, um, my friend makes this like instant decision and just says, we're taking the ban. (laughs) She starts going through all the stuff in the RV and just basically throwing everything she can, um, that she thinks we need into the van. And I find funny, like, I love it. I love what people choose to bring when we're in this kind of like situation. It's like, well, you know, we weren't escaping for our, our lives by any means, but you know, when you have to make these split decisions. So, you know, like she, (laughs) she brought all the tools, (laughs) And, and I love that, like all the woodworking tools. It's so funny. So, you know, we drove around 5,000 miles with this, like, you know, box of like files and, um, (laughs) and carving tools and and stuff like that, which is great. Um, so, so I'm so thankful that she was able to have a clear mind because the truth of the matter was, is, was that my parents would need to be in quarantine for at least two weeks. My dad had COVID. We couldn't really live in the house with them. We'd have to live in their RV. And um, we, couldn't ha- we couldn't have any interaction because every time we would have interaction, we would expose ourselves to COVID. So, um, so we just thought the best course of action is just to get in the van and continue our road trip. And, um, and so we did. That's exactly what we did. We, within an hour, had the van repacked um, with my little, like, Japanese futon and all my blankets and random acts of clothing and um, food and, yeah, pots and pans and everything. And um, and highly, my friend, who's, who's very well organized, organizes everything. And then it's just like, okay, she's in the driver's seat. Let's go go in, yell at my parents (laughs) because it's the only thing I can do. (laughs) Stand at the door and tell them what's happening and hope that everything's okay. And then we are off to South Dakota. And, um, and that's where, uh, we, my friend gets her first dose of the vaccine. Oh, and it's really important that I mention that my father got sick after having his first dose of the vaccine. And, you know, so that's another thing that we're very aware of is like, even if, you know, we have a certain amount of immunity, because I'd had the first dose as well, we're not free and clear. Like we still could, um, could spread COVID. We don't know that much about it. And so it's also like, okay, so we're going to go out into the world and socially distance travel in our own little pod. (laughs) And that's exactly what we did. So, um, so we get to, and it's interesting going through each state, right? Because you hear, Oh, this state isn't doing this. The state is doing this, but we get to, um, out of Minnesota, which is very, it has a mask mandate and, 
you know, is very clear about the social distancing, yet South Dakota does not have that. <laughs> so, so we're, um, although there are some, there are some precautions taken, most people aren't masking. Um, they are socially distant and we definitely were, um, because for the first couple of days, you know, we're just going to stay in hotels because we don't have a tent or anything yet. And it's cold. So, um, yeah. So it's like this very surreal experience, the whole, you know, shifting your mindset from, oh, we're going to have this one experience with the, um, with the RV. And, and then now we're going to have this other experience that we don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> we have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> we're just now in the vehicle, um, traveling down to the Southwest. And so we had some, some very rough laid plans, you know, like always the plan was to end up in arches and in Zion. And, uh, but all, all the points in between were just kind of up in the air. And we, we knew we had about two or three weeks and my friend didn't have her plan cemented about going to Hawaii or going back to Amsterdam and mine were really open because this is the first time, you know, well, I was able to go to, um, to the boundary waters in August in the RV. So I did have a really great trip with the RV with my friends, Evan and Bella. So, you know, I thought this was going to be a lot like that. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't anything. It was really different. Uh, one of the great things that I will talk about in the next episode, part two of the great escape COVID 2021 um, is around the fears that we pack with us when we, we do things like this. And, you know, my friend brought it up to me in the context of camping and because I, I had always seen myself as not a very good camper. And I had this image of like these, you know, horrible camping trips that I had um, taken my son on when he was a child and things that broke and all this stuff. And, and then I realized that when I was married, my husband really took care. Like he was a great outdoorsman and rafted and rock climbed and hiked and skied. And, and so he always took care of all this stuff and made everything really comfortable. And, and so I really didn't, I believed I didn't have a lot of those skills to, to give myself um, that experience. So when my friend was talking about it and we were talking about getting a tent and setting it up and I was just like, ah, oh, it's going to be awful. <laughs> Ooh, always the positive little, you know, cherub over here. And, uh, but, but I really, I felt like, yeah, I really do have this idea that camping is, is just, I'll be cold. I'll be uncomfortable. So, so my friend, um, gave me this context to think about it. Um, what fears do you pack with you when you go camping? What are you afraid of happening? You know, are you afraid of being alone? Are you afraid of being a woman alone in a campsite? Are you afraid of being cold? Are you afraid of being uncomfortable? Are you afraid of being hungry? Are you afraid of going to the bathroom? Um, going shishi? 
<laughs> that great outdoors. Um, and so really, I bring these up because these are indeed all my fears around camping and and then some. And so I thought, oh, yeah, like this is this is big. Like these are my fears. And some of these are actually my fears that I then carry like in my life. And and so as we started to camp from the very first time that first night on the full moon to the last night when I was by myself for four nights in a campsite in uh, Moab, there's this great art of change that happens. And I'm afraid, gentle listener, that's all we have time for right now, but I will pick up where I left off. Uh, next week. I hope you're here with me and uh, thank you so much for um, allowing me into your headspace and into your your earbuds. Aloha. Thank you for joining me and if you found this interesting or provocative or maddening, well, leave me a review and tell me about it. Drop me a line. Let me know some of your stories. And thanks again for joining me. I look forward to talking to you again. Have a great day. Be well. Stay present. Aloha. Aloha.